What is up? And welcome in to another episode of 10,000 Pitches. You can maybe even call this little 10,000 Pitches and Post Loons combo platter today because uh, obviously no Post Loons Wednesday night. And because we work day jobs, there was no Post Loons following today's matinee uh, finishing of that U.S. Open Cup match. But we'll get to all of that. We'll do our little post-game recap and then get into everything going on in the lower league scene as well in Minnesota soccer. But hello, welcome in. Very much appreciate you being here. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, fellow, contrib- fellow contributor to SodaSoccer.com, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how you doing? I'm doing great. I had uh, my, my final day at my job today. I'm no longer the food distribution coordinator for ACO. And uh, this might end up being the last pod I, I record in Duluth. Uh, uh, small wow. chance, I guess, that that doesn't that it's a, there's another one, but probably last one. So yeah, uh, lots going on in my life, but looking forward to talking about talking about soccer to take a break from all that. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to get too in the details. We don't want you know you to be able to stalk Mr. Dominic Cozzano <laughs> if you're a super fan here. But yeah, Dom's making a move from Duluth to the Twin Cities here, so that means maybe we may get a few in-person recordings of 10,000 yeah. pitches in the future. No more, uh, no, I would say no more zoom. We'll be doing a lot. We'll be still be doing a lot of zoom, <laughs> but uh, maybe a few in-person recordings and actually maybe just maybe an in-person meeting between the hosts here. <laughs> Peek behind the Hopefully. curtain. Dominic and I have actually never met in person. We've yeah. literally only met virtually through StreamYard here. So, um, yeah, that will be fun. We'll have to go grab a beer, Dom, once we get down here and uh, actually actually meet in person. And maybe we can do some in-person recordings as well. Yeah, that that we, we certainly have to fix at least the not having met in person thing. That's, that's weird, uh, right? I mean, if, and of course, it's, it's, it's because of world events that have just made all that very impractical. But uh, yeah, and mm-hmm. hey, maybe uh, I know the other week you were talking about things to do for the hundredth episode maybe a hundredth episode we do some sort of some sort of uh on location recording thing we'll see we'll figure it out but yeah looking forward to being down there and uh and all the different opportunities that i'll create with uh soda soccer and 10k content yeah we'll have to hit up uh derek over at night street and see if we maybe we'll do a little hundredth anniversary hundredth anniversary wow no (laughs) not a hundredth anniversary hundredth episode uh, party over there at 9th Street. I think that'd be really, really cool. Um, another cool threshold we're coming up here, Dom, or a, a cool um, little uh, speaking of anniversaries, uh, in a couple weeks is going to be the two-year anniversary of the debut of 10,000 Pitches. So that's Very pretty cool. crazy to think that it's already almost been two years. And uh, we haven't given up on this little <laughs> podcast. And you haven't given up on us listeners out there. This thing's evolved and it's gone a million different directions. It probably will go a million different more directions as it uh, uh, continues to evolve and move forward. But we really do appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, I was going through a, an old uh, Reddit thread. Uh, I believe it was like the summer of 2020. It was like, hey, what are the best Minnesota soccer podcasts? And there are actually a few people who are like, oh, you know, 10,000 pitches is pretty good. It's early on, but they're doing pretty good so far. So it was cool to kind of go back and look at that. And uh, yeah, it's been a wild ride. But um yeah, very, very grateful for everybody listening and supporting what we do here with 10,000 Pitches and SodaSoccer.com. A little housekeeping before we get into the headlines and into the content of this week's episode. 
If you haven't hit that subscribe button, please do. A lot of you subscribe to this show and we very much appreciate it. But if you're listening and you don't, please do. If you are a subscriber and you know someone who probably isn't a subscriber, but should be a subscriber, uh, please uh, you know, help us out. Tell a friend, be a friend, tell a friend um, that they should subscribe to 10,000 Pitches and uh, get this in their feed every single week um, for great Minnesota soccer content. Also, if you haven't left us a rating and review on your preferred podcast platform, please do that as well. And if you're not one of the 1,350 people following us on uh, on Twitter at Soda Soccer or at Soda SOC, I should say, uh, make sure you do that as well. A lot of good content on the Twitter feed too. Um, one thing that is up, I shouldn't say is up right now because somebody might be listening to this at like at 2 a.m. on Friday morning. <laughs> um, and this will not be up then. But uh, coming up late morning on Friday will be a uh, very cool interview I did with St. Croix Legends Executive Director Nathan Klinecki. Um, This weekend is their USL League 2 debut match. And, uh, you know, what better way to debut than against the defending league national champ or defending, uh, yeah, USL League 2 national champs uh, in Des Moines, um, at Des Moines. But that is how they kick off their 2022 campaign, their inaugural USL League 2 match. So I talked to their executive executive director, Nathan, about, is how they're feeling, what the last six months have been like since they um, announced the club. And that was actually the last time we talked to them on 10,000 Pitches as well. Um, and uh, it's been a cool evolution for them as they get closer to that first match. And, uh, you know, just a really, really good check-in with Nathan. And he offered a lot of good insights. That's going to be up on the website too. Um, just another in a long line of cool firsts happening in Minnesota soccer this year. Um and that's, I mean, it's a really cool thing. And that's part of the reason why we expanded this from a little podcast into a full-blown website because of things like St. Croix. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting to see, uh, you know, how they do, obviously, given that they're pretty new to this part of the of the ecosystem and that they're starting with Des Moines. And, of course, we'll have to play Des Moines multiple times in Minneapolis City multiple times. It's probably going to be a, a year of ups and downs for them in terms of results, but uh, still great that, another part of Minnesota is going to have exposure to, to this level of the game and, and, and a part of Wisconsin as well, because they're, they're right across the, the bridge, the river from Wisconsin. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it's exciting for this project to begin and, and hopefully this season for any tough moments it might end up having uh, proves to be, you know, the start of a, a longer term uh, story of development for, for the organization, for yeah. uh, soccer in that area. Um, and, and yeah, so we, we hope them the best. And the team really is also not to get too far into this. You should definitely go read the, uh, the interview and check it out, uh, when it drops, uh, I won't spoil too much of it, but, um, one of the things that Nathan brought up specifically is that this team kind of similar to Minneapolis city is going to be a, sort of a feature of the, the soccer talent that is bred here in Minnesota. Um, there's going to be a lot of guys from the Mayak, um, St. Olaf, um, you know, uh, a lot of guys, you know, um, Gustavus, you know, a lot of those schools. There's also be some St. Thomas guys on the team as well. Um, so really good college talent, both from the D1, D2, and D3 levels that'll be featured for St. Croix this summer. So um, hopefully that bodes well for them and how they compete in that schedule. Um, and they get it started, uh, what better way than against the uh, defending USL League Two champs in Des Moines? That's on Saturday, and that I believe uh, kicks off at 7 p.m. 
and there is a stream actually Des Moines does a really good job with uh with streaming their games for those who can't be there in Des Moines so um if you're uh, interested in watching St. Croix's opener in USL League 2 there's no loons match on Saturday night so uh opening there if you want to go check that out um but speaking of the loons let's get into this Dom Minnesota United the uh the big result this week now, there's a couple matches that occurred this week, but the big result that we will go ahead and start with here is uh, they're advancing in the U.S. Open Cup. They're on to the round of 16 uh, with a 2-1 to win over Colorado in a match that, all in all, took 20 hours to complete. Kicked off just after 7 o'clock Tuesday night, and it ends Wednesday afternoon just after 3 um, we'll get into the weather delay and stuff in just a minute, but um, here's how the match started. So eighth minute, right off the bat, Loons find the back of the net, and it's a really, really good link up here. Adrian Unu, beautiful through ball to Fragapane down the left. Uh, Franco sends in a perfect cross, which finds Dunlady right in stride, right on the boot, and he finishes, and the Loons are up early. Very rare this season that we see such an early goal um, and an early advantage for Minnesota. Usually they've been more of a second half team with scoring, but they find it in the eighth minute against Colorado and it's your boy Dunlady, Dom. You had to have a smile on your face after that one. It is. It's, it's a great payoff for him getting another opportunity. Obviously some of his recent starts haven't uh, resulted in uh, great matches for him or for the team. Uh, but you you could see in his celebration, which was was sort of just like a guttural roar to the sky, <laughs> um, that uh, you know this clearly meant a lot to him, and uh, as, as did his uh, lead goal that he scored a couple weeks ago. And uh, you know you can tell that he's probably very aware of the uh, expectations that are around him, and the fact that perhaps they haven't all been met so much so far. Uh, and so you can, you can definitely tell that this meant a lot to him. And it's a good goal. I mean, it's it's good movement, good passing from all all pieces involved. Um, obviously, then the the match would get a little uh, well. First, it would get a little sketchier in terms of play after after this goal, and then it get you know stopped completely. But uh, I, I would say for sure that you know we've talked with all the games that him and Juan Juane have started in in, in league play that the talk has been about that intense start that doesn't quite result in anything, and then it dwindles away. What we kind of got this time was that intense start, although Juan Wander wasn't playing. Uh, you got that kind of intense start, and it actually did result in something. Um, yep. Not necessarily, you know, it's, it's the Open Cup, it's Rapids, uh, you know, it's both teams not necessarily playing all their starters, so there's, there's some asterisks there. But nonetheless, we did kind of get what we would hope would happen when those guys are, are starting. So uh, I think that was encouraging to see at some level. Yeah, it was. And it's specifically Fragapane you know, providing some quality on, along the left. I think he's been one of the bigger question marks on this team in terms of, you know, is he a hundred percent? His quality hasn't quite been there, um, especially to the degree that we've seen last, that we saw last year. Um, so for him to be in on that goal, good to see Adrian Unu playing a factor in that, in that buildup as well. Um, just you come out of that goal feeling really good about everybody who contributed to it with Adrian Unu, Franco Fragapani and Abu Dunlani all three guys that have had quest- many questions asked of them this season, deservedly so, and yet they're the ones who who link up for the goal. So that was that was a really good, I think, uh, just positive right off the bat for Minnesota. But seven minutes later, 
they do give up the equalizer and it's off a free kick. Uh, there's some bouncing around in the box takes a, takes a deflection. And I'd like, to, I want to get your thoughts on this Don, because this was kind of the talking point that, so it finds the, uh, the boot of Mesquita. He's about right at the six yard box and, and Tyler Miller either. And I wasn't sure even on the replay, the timing of this Miller had either already made the decision to go out and try to beat Mesquita to that ball, or he was coming out to try to cut off the angle. But either way, once Mesquita gets the ball, Miller looks looks very almost out of position with how much he's rushing out. And it's it's a very easy sort of a shot for him to beat Miller there. Um, just curious your thoughts on Miller's decision making on that play. Either he's rushing out to cut off the angle or he's rushing out to beat Mesquita to that ball. But either way, um, it, it wasn't necessarily effective and then it left that wide open net behind him. Yeah, you know, uh, I agree that it's it's a little hard to tell what the uh, the order of events are and and quite what the the thinking behind the decision is as as you noted whether or not he thinks he's going to win the ball or if he's trying you know what, what what's going on there. Um, I agree though with the end result of of that discussion, which is that the decision making in general in that moment was not great. Uh, whatever he may have thought was going to happen, it didn't come close to happening. So um, it's, it's, it's a rough moment. I mean, obviously the loons end up winning the game, so it all kind of gets pushed to the side, but uh, not necessarily a great moment to highlight um, the, you know, the keeper that's playing only occasionally uh, mm-hmm. showed some rough decision-making uh, to, to be fair, you know, goals have been getting scored on, on St. Clair as well recently. So, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, everyone, everyone's feeling the pain, but uh, yeah, not a great moment for Miller. Uh, just, just looked a little, uh, I was going to say unaware, which is maybe a bit un- unfair to say, but just, just seemed a little lost in, in the moment. Yeah. Didn't quite seem to be reading the situation around him. And uh, not, you know, not necessarily something that I think is like indicative of his game No, all the time. But uh, a rough moment, perhaps something partly bred by the fact that he's not playing as much. That that could be a, a factor. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely a rusty moment. Um, that 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 gave Colorado a, an unnecessary goal that didn't need to happen. I think that's the general takeaway from that moment is just that in general, that wasn't like some brilliant, you know, stint of possession that resulted in a goal. It, was, it, it wasn't necessary. It wasn't. There were plenty of ways for that to have gone better for Minnesota. Uh, and now that they're advancing, you know, I guess they get to think about that in a, in a more positive light. But, yeah, not, not Miller's best moment. And then a few minutes later, the soccer gods decide that, you know, we haven't had enough weird, interesting things happen in this Minnesota-Colorado rivalry. We need to add a weather delay to it. So back in 2017, when you got your Minnesota United Colorado Rapids rivalry bingo card, I think this is about the last box that you would fill in. Um, <laughs> I think we've got about everything else, uh, weather delay slash postponement as the only box that uh, that was left unchecked. So you can go ahead and submit those and get your prize now if you're uh, if you were one of the lucky recipients of those back uh, back six years ago. But in all seriousness, um, things got very. You mentioned sketchy. The weather got very sketchy. We yeah. were in the we were in the basement here in Cottage Grove for about an hour, 
think the sirens went off at about 8.15 and it was close to 9.30 before that severe thunderstorm warning uh, turned off. Um, and uh, we were able to actually put the kids to bed and do all that stuff. But yeah, it was a very, very, um, I wouldn't say a scary situation, but definitely not ideal from a weather standpoint. And then you have, you know, a handful of thousand people who are stuck in the Allianz Field concourse, really nowhere to go. You can't leave. You don't want to get out in your car uh, try to take the green line in uh, in this scenario. Um, so you're just you're hunkered down in the concourse, just waiting it out, hoping it ends. And uh, um, you, you saw the the flood on the pitch, basically, um, which we'll get to the drainage system that Minnesota United has in just a little bit. Holy cow, amazing stuff! But um, finally, at about uh, I think they Andy Greeter tweeted out that due to city ordinance, they would have had to get the game going at around 10 50 10 55 p.m um in order to finish in time i think it was about probably a midnight ordinance if i'm doing the math correctly um for saint paul that to have that stuff done by um and obviously it was just with the amount of water that was on the field that it was taking on it was just it wasn't feasible to play that match and i mistakenly sent out a tweet that was like hey this feels assuming this feels not even going to be playable on thursday what are we going to do here? But I didn't take into account just how good that Allianz field drainage system is. And they were able to get back on the field at 1 PM today. And from what I heard from everybody who uh, was there and even the guys who were taking the pitch that the field was in, in mint condition. Uh, no, no, uh, I don't know. No, no slushiness, no, no squishiness, no anything like that. It was, it was ready to go, which is very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I think the, the, the thing that makes it all kind of extra impressive to me is I recall when Allianz Field first opened uh, those first, I don't know, months, I guess, those first several matches, there were some hiccups with the, you know, just the state of the pitch at certain times. Mm -hmm. it, it was, and that, that tends to happen with a new stadium, new field. That's just bound to happen in some form or another. And uh, to see how far it's, come to the point where you can have you know go from that kind of not that it was a narrative but but just for that to be the 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 things people are saying about the pitch mm -hmm. to then have you know just like these incredibly impressive weather uh adaption or resistant you know systems uh yeah i mean it, it's great to see how effective that stadium and that that field has has become uh and you know we were talking before we started recording and like you said, the, the, the rules, I think both there were competition rules and then also ordinance rules that, that meant that, you know, at a certain point, it was just too late to start. But in theory, if the time had just been different, a different time of the day, they probably could have made something work even within like the day of the storm. It just was yeah. too late in the day. So, yeah. Um, yeah, really impressive, really impressive from, from the folks at Allianz Field. Yeah, the uh, the groundskeeping staff does an excellent job, and that's a field that just constantly, even without what happened yesterday, it just constantly takes a beating with the you know the winter weather sticking around and all the snow, and then just the summer usage and all that stuff. So, I mean, their their job is, I think, at times a thankless job. It's a tough job, but they do it they do it very very well, and we are very blessed to have the groundskeeping crew that we have at Allianz Field because they are. They're some of the best in business, but um, let's get back into the match. So we had a, we had a pickup at 1 p.m. this afternoon or just after one. 
um, at the 1730 mark and largely uneventful from a scoring chance perspective until late on. Uh, we're going to fast forward to the 65th minute. Adrian Heath makes a triple sub, brings on Mano Reynoso, Robin Lud, and Will Trapp, obviously trying to get that late goal. But things take a turn in the 83rd, just 18 minutes later, as Brent Coleman receives his second yellow card, leaving Minnesota down to 10 men. And um, we've seen the flip side of this in the Minnesota-Colorado rivalry before, uh, where it hasn't necessarily gone well for Minnesota, but uh, the Loons get their revenge from last season in a big way. 86th, and this is a hockey term, um, so people may blast me for this. I'm going to call it a shorthanded goal. Um, as on a counterattack, you know, even though the Rapids are up and man, they're pressing for that goal too. Um, and the loons catch them on a counter. They get the ball to a dangerous area at the feet of their most dangerous player. And this is just Reynoso magic right here. I mean, just his work on the ball to find the space he needs fires a beauty of a left footed shot past Clint Irwin into the back of the net. And that's your winner. Um, some of the, that's some of the individual effort that we've been sort of waiting to see from Reynoso. Um, you know, he has sort of picked it back up in distributing for other people and being a factor from an assist standpoint and from helping create chances, but we haven't seen him exactly do things on his own in a way that we may have expected, but that was on full display here and it couldn't come at a better time. No. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously it's the, it's the winning goal. It's a big moment. Um, and uh, a big match in a cup competition. That's that's what you want out of a player like Reynoso. And like you said, we haven't necessarily been getting so much of that recently, but it is good to see overall that slowly creeping back into his game. I also think getting, you know, whether it be a goal or assist, having a big moment in this game was um, important, useful to see from him because I, I, I think many people had... Uh, fair criticism of the impact he did or didn't have on the last couple of league matches. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is a good way to, to lock back in and uh, stay focused and show ability and intent. Uh, so that's very reassuring. And uh, yeah, you know, it, it's funny to the red card. Um, you know, we, we talk about how chaotic these matches are and a lot of times you know, there, there's a lot of eye rolling overhype to, you know, how, how chaotic rivalries are or, or whatever. But in the three times that forms of Minnesota United have played forms of the Colorado Rapids this year, we've had a red card that got rescinded in, in MLS play. We got at least one red card in the MLS Nets pro match between these two sides. Yep. And now we got a red card in the Open Cup game. Uh, and that, that'll happen in like a month and a half. <laughs> yeah. So, um I, you know, I know we say it a lot, but these, this is literally what happens in these games. And also, all the time, the team that's down to 10 men wins. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's it's a weird one. But nice to see Minnesota United be the benefactor of of that that curse this time instead of the loser. But, um, yeah, you know, again, a great moment for Reynoso. Great to see the team find a way to perform down a man, not fall apart. A lot of times, even well-performing teams will have you know they'll, they'll slow down after they go down to 10 men they'll mm -hmm. lose motivation other team will find an opening and all of a sudden the game's over uh obviously didn't happen this time which is which is great to see uh you know and, and now now in the round of 16 against union omaha that's a very yep. approachable game that'll be very interesting to see if you know that translates into a, a quarterfinal appearance 
at the same time, I think a lot of people will be hoping in the stands that these positive moments we're seeing in the Open Cup can find a more consistent home and lead play. Yeah, uh, obviously absolutely. coming off coming off the bat of uh, some very disappointing results. Um, and so that's kind of the weird counterbalance of all this. But, but uh, yeah, again, very reassuring moment from Reynoso showing that, you know, hey, I, I am here to play a role. I know it hasn't quite worked out the last couple of weeks, but I can still do this in big moments. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I think everyone would like to see more of it, but it is very good to see to begin with. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at 9th Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at 9th Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at 9th Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at 9th. Ninth Street MPLS. That's Ninth and Street, both spelled out. N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google, or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Just like the uh, social handles, N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South 9th Street, Minneapolis, or online at 9thStreetMPLS.com. We need to take into account the formation that Minnesota yes. ran in this game, yes. too. We haven't even talked about that yet. Uh, they went with sort of the 3-4-3, the 5-2-3 or three, four, three, five, two, three hybrid formation with the wingbacks, uh, DJ Taylor and O'Neal Fisher, both which did excellent jobs in this game, I thought. Um, and we saw Adrian Unu look really comfortable in that. We saw Budan Ladi look really comfortable in that. They did not change formations after the substitutions were made. Reynoso and Lud were coming on within that formation as well. They looked really comfortable in it. I'm not saying that they they should switch to this as sort of their go-to formation moving forward, but I think it's worth a try. And I'm confident in their ability in their ability and uncomfortability to try to apply that to league matches moving forward as well when they have their first team squad together. Yeah. You know, I mean, normally I wouldn't want to jump to, not jump to conclusions, but jump to, Hey, we should use this all the time. But I think everything else has been so inconsistent Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and frequently gone badly to the point where, you, you, at a certain point, you have to just try other things. I mean, it's the same reason that I kind of got on the bandwagon with, hey, we should just do the Fonwane, Lodenladi front line because it's working better than everything else. And obviously, that didn't quite play out when they were starting games. Um, and, and maybe that'll happen with this as well. But at a certain point, you know, it, it, if whatever you're doing isn't working, you got to try something else. Uh, you're you're playing. Uh, I believe the next game is the Sounders, who have had a 
roller coaster of the last couple of weeks as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Winning the CCL and then immediately getting knocked out of the Open Cup by San, San Jose the other day. Um, and their their MLS season as well has been a roller coaster. Um, you know, maybe that's a game you want to try some things and 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 try this formation with with uh with more of your usual starters mixed into it right not not necessarily with the 11 players that started this game yeah i i I think it's an interesting option um i think that what we've been trying up until this point hasn't been consistent enough for anyone to to stamp it as what we should be defaulting to uh you you have to be consistent to earn you know a formation has to be consistent Yes. to to earn that uh, spot, just at, like a player. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I would be open to them, whether it's literally this formation or something else. I, I, I think it is worth experimenting. I think it is worth trying things out. I agree. I don't really think there's a reason not to. Uh, in the same way I feel that way with roster, with the roster, as I've expressed before. I, I think that can certainly go to the formation. I think there were moments where the formation seemed to benefit the team uh, against the Rapids in this in this Open Cup match. wasn't necessarily the greatest match of all time, but you know it, it had its moments, and in the end, you get the win. So, yeah, I would be very interested to see if if Adrian Heath <clears throat> does go to the drawing board and say, "How can I convert what I did in this Open Cup match into a consistent league formation that I can play first teams." of good MLS side play against good, good first teams of MLS sides. Uh, if he can figure that out or his staff can figure that out, that, that could be what breathes some new life into the side. One last thought on that before we move on. And to further that point, if you go back to the four, two, three, one, if you're Adrian Heath, you're doing so, I think your best option there is to go back to your original starting lineup and a hope something clicks with Luis Samaria and Franco Fragapani and Robin Lud up top. Or B, be okay with punting the first hour until you're able to make that late substitution and hope that you can continue that late game dominance with that substitution. And that's if that's the way the route they want to go and they continue to find success with that, that's fine. But I think I think a lot of people would agree that it's worth trying something new. And the experiment of trying that Holangwani, uh, Lud, and Dunlady, um, you know, front line at the start of the match, um, I think we've seen how that goes. If they don't nab a goal early on, it's tough to sustain that. So I agree. I, I think it's time to to maybe uh, you know take another step towards experimentation and, and trying something new with this roster and see if you can find something that works. But um, moving on here, as you mentioned, Dom Union Omaha is the next. U.S. Open Cup match, that'll be either Tuesday the 24th or Wednesday the 25th. I think the way the schedule works out, the Loons obviously play both weekends. Um, you know, you know that is going to be sandwiched between two weekend matches for the Loons. So I think they'll probably want to, if they can, and Andy Greer tweeted this as well, um, play that one on Wednesday the 25th. That is going to be at – well, actually, we don't know if that's – that is going to be at Allianz Field. Yes, it is going to be at Allianz Field. I believe so, yeah. Um, so that's going to be very fun. It's going to be cool. But Union Omaha is no slouch, right? Union Omaha is not a team to overlook. They have beaten an MLS side. Um, they have been 
um, the most consistent team in USL League One since they joined the league in um, uh, 2019 or 2020. 2020. So um, yeah, they're 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 not a team to look over. That's going to be fun with their supporters coming up for that match too. Um, but yeah, definitely um, you know got to bring your A game against a team like Omaha. But also on the flip side of that, you are playing a lower division opponent. It's a great opportunity to get yourselves into the U.S. Open Cup quarterfinals uh one other match to touch on we did have a post loons after this one on saturday you can go back and listen to that if you would like uh, we won't spend too much time on it the one nil loss to cincinnati dom um any any big takeaways on your end from that one or are we burning the game tape and moving on um i i just to keep it brief um i'll, I'll say that losing that game it, you know, ends up probably being harsher punishment than I don't think either team des- deserved to lose that game. Mm-hmm. I think that game was going, you know, going to be a zero zero draw. And then at the end, it wasn't. Um, yeah. That being said, I do think uh, as much as I was interested to see how it would go, I think that game kind of kills the, or killed the, uh, the new front three momentum. I don't think, it survives the way that game went uh, because, you know, uh, the LAFC game, LAFC is LAFC. So you kind of, that whole time it was sort of a, well, let's just go for it. But even though Cincinnati is so much better this year than they have been, and that is very true, they're still like creeping into mid table. Yeah. So you're not, when we say improved, we're not saying competing for the supporter shield or something. They're like kind of competing for playoffs. Uh, that you know, yeah. that's still a level that you have to. If, if you're supposed to be the new exciting front three, you have to be performing well against, and uh, that didn't happen. So, um, yeah, I, I think it, it. I think that game played probably into Adrian Heath's decision to experiment as much as he did in this game. Um, probably realizing that he needs to think of some some new ways to approach the situation. I think that game put a lot more weight on this game. I think if you get knocked out of the Open Cup days after that Cincinnati loss, then the snowball really starts to grow. Um, So obviously that's been avoided. Uh, But yeah, look, you know, at the the same time, in terms of alarm bells, it is again worth noting this Cincinnati side is actually pretty solid. you know, they, they were off the back of several consecutive wins going into this game. They, they, they're actually very good at stealing results, even on the road right now. So mm-hmm. it, it's not, it's not what it would have been to lose to them two years ago. Um, but, you know, again, at the same time though, Minnesota should be expecting to beat teams like that at home. So the fact that they didn't is uh, is a problem. And it's it's clearly something that's spurred some new creativity in the uh, in the locker room from Minnesota United, which is which is good to see. So, yeah, a rough one, but at the same time, probably one that we have to move move on from and grow from. One last Minnesota United uh, topic to note, probably the most excited I've ever been for a (laughs) soccer match in my life. The Loons welcome Everton. To Allianz Field on July 20th. Adrian Heath's former club. Um, 
the Toffees who are fighting for their Premier League lives, but damn it, they're they're above the relegation line with a game in hand right now. Um, I'm I'm an Everton supporter, um, and this is a dream, honestly, to have the Toffees coming to Allianz Field to play Minnesota. I don't know if you can see Dom, but literally I have the goosebumps just talking about it right now. Like it is, it is perfect. It is awesome. I have nothing going on that weekend. I've already triple confirmed that I've already got my tickets. I am, I am so excited and ready for this. And um, it's not, and it's a friendly, the result doesn't matter. Right. It's just the overall experience. If you've been to a friendly, I was at the Aston Villa friendly a few years ago. It was such a different environment, a cool environment. Um, you know, a, a unique environment relative to a, a normal game day. And to have that same that same thing happening, but it be freaking Everton <laughs> is just yeah. so awesome. I, I can't I cannot wait. I honestly cannot wait. Well, this is probably just trying to kind of think through. I mean, this this is I feel like has to be the biggest team. That Minnesota United has played a friendly against. They played uh, Swansea in 2016 or 2015 in the NASL days. Swansea yeah. was in the Premier League at the time. And in the context um, of United being, beat them 2-0. Yeah. So there's that. But yeah, that's the only other Premier League team, I believe, that Minnesota United has has played. Um, I think they've played Bournemouth before, but I don't believe Bournemouth was in the Premier League at the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is by, I think it's by, I mean, just from, from a, a notoriety standpoint and a credibility right. standpoint, right? Like this is by far, uh, the biggest yeah. team that Minnesota United's ever. And played. I do wonder, I, this is a joke, but I do wonder if Everton agreed to this because they were doing this as a backup plan. If they did get relegated, that they get the Aston Villa bump for next year <laughs> because Aston Villa played us and then got promoted. <laughs> I do wonder if there was a guy some some manager not coach manager but some guy in the management that was just like hey just in case let's go mm-hmm. minnesota and play again but no i mean this is really exciting um i i, I might try to go this one i my my family support liverpool but uh it would still be fun to watch everton in person i think solomon rondon is probably going to be out of the team by the time this game happens but in the off chance i get to see him that'd be cool but um, but no, yeah, really, really cool and and great just in general. By the way, that Minnesota United is getting consistently some pretty big teams to come by to play games. You know that, mm-hmm. that that's great to see. There's been a couple that didn't end up happening because of COVID as well. There was going to be a, a Bundesliga team or two that were going to come. But um, great that there's a pretty consistent flow now of reputable teams from from Europe. Uh, obviously, in the past, there's been some from Latin America. Um, that that's you know all, all helpful and obviously there's a lot of premier league watchers in this part of the country and in the whole country now so so really great just in general for the soccer community in minnesota that you know they get to see aston villa they get to see the evertons of the world um good good for everybody and and i i, I do hope that now that everton do stay safe which appears to be happening because that'll, that'll yeah mean that this is a uh, minnesota united versus the premier league which is fun very very fun I, I cannot be more excited so i definitely just had to had to uh note that because i'm i'm super excited uh before we get into the lower league news dom though we got to kind of go back take a step back to the u.s open cup match against colorado uh there were a lot of fun names for the for the moat that was <laughs> allianz field uh during this this storm so 
I just want a quick shout out a few favorites. Uh, we put it out on Twitter at Soda SOC, sort of just name this body of water. And it was a picture of the uh, of the lake that was uh, Allianz Field. So um, I'm going to first give a shout out to our um, colleague over at Soda Soccer, uh, Mr. Matthew Johnson. Uh, just brought him on to help with some lower league writing and stuff. But obviously he hosts, you know, co-hosts the Dave's I Know podcast. So very into the Minnesota United scene as well. Um, had the most ridiculous response to that uh, that tweet. His name for that body of water was the Mediterranean Sea. <laughs> and I looked at that and I said, this is so terrible i love it and i don't mean terrible as in it's bad it's it was just so ridiculous that it's it's kind of amazing to be honest that someone would even think of that um yeah i don't know that's probably my favorite dom what were what were a couple of yours well i i do want to i do want to add a quick kudos to to matt for that one because that is pretty wonderful he he's uh talented writer he's gonna write some great stuff for soda soccer but that's still gonna be the best thing he writes for soda soccer is that three <laughs> <laughs> absolutely does that does because that's just undeniably perfectly punnyful but uh yeah there i mean there were there were so many i i'm gonna like look through because i i, I don't want to miss out on oh i did like dan wade with he did a retweet but he uh retweeted and, and mentioned drain st Clair. i like that bad. one that was a solid <laughs> pun there uh, uh a lot of people were, there were there's a uh common one mnufc yes, as in S-E-A, a one. like a c so that was good uh shout out pa loon was one of the uh one of the ones who uh who said the wonder that well i know you like that one the wonder well is a classic that might be my favorite honestly the matthews just that, drew the biggest honest. reaction out of me but the wonder <laughs> well is just it's simple it's it's i don't know simplicity there i i like that i i expect the team to uh to, to co-op that for some branding uh mm. let's see what else uh there's so many there's too many to be honest. a lot of responses on this tweet so someone's going with like a buzz lagos mm-hmm. pun there that's good there, there's 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 your actually yours is also very solid lake lunatanka is also very solid hey you know sometimes sometimes i tweet good stuff. sometimes i tweet really bad stuff it just depends on the day I actually day. also, I do want to shout out someone who really dedicated to the joke where someone, I don't know who this is, someone made a Twitter account called Lake Allianz uh, and their bio is Minnesota's 10,000 and first lake. So, and their profile Love. picture is. So shout out to whoever that is. <laughs> really dedicated to the joke. But This uh, fan base's Twitter presence is like undefeated. Like this yeah. has to be the most active, like ridiculous supporters like group on twitter like it's just i I love it i love being a part of the community there's something new and hilarious and ridiculous happening every day it's wonderful and we have like a million supporters groups that aren't real but they're really great and they're just on twitter and they're like there's a there's the star wars one there's the the ultra rich one uh (laughs) i i don't remember all their names but there's a lot of wonderful very very pun heavy 
supporters groups that sort of exist on social media. Taking a quick water break here to tell you about our good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And when I say friends, I 100% mean Jason Mora has been supporting 10,000 pitches since its infancy in the summer of 2020. And he's continuing to provide us that support with sodasoccer.com. And I'm proud to say he's become a good, good friend of mine. Jason used his experience as a pro all over the country, including right here at Minnesota United, to help him launch a company that can provide quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices to clubs and teams at all levels. This is a Minneapolis-based company doing great things for local, nationwide, and even worldwide clubs. Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Flora, Dynamo St. Cloud, Tulsa Athletic, the American Outlaws, and even the Anguian National Team all use Stimulus to outfit their club with the jerseys, game gear, and apparel they need. And Stimulus can do the same for you and your club as well. It's pretty simple. Just head to StimulusAthletic.com, start a conversation with their amazing team, and let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's StimulusAthletic.com. How about we make the transition now, Dom, to the lower league soccer scene? It's just getting more and more active as the weeks go on. New leagues starting, um, more games to be had, more games to be talked about. And uh, this season, we got to, or this week, I should say, we got to shout out our friends over at Wapassel. The Wisconsin Primary Amateur Soccer League kicks off this weekend. Um, We get on Saturday, um, I believe, Spartan and Union Eau Claire. Uh, you know, Claire new to the league. Um, so they will have a little bit of a, an inter city derby, if you will, with, uh, with fellow Eau Claire side, Bateau. Um, but they, they kick off their season against Spartan FC 3:30 PM at Sparta high school there in Wisconsin. Uh, you get Poskin jets hosting Hayward Wolfpack at 4 PM in Barron. And then um, right after that at 6 PM at the same field, actually you have Barron SC hosting Bateau. Um, it's going to be an interesting season in Wapassal because there's some new teams. You obviously have your Batos and your um, Haywards who were at the top of the table last year. Not sure, Dom. What do you think? What do you think about this table? You know, I'm I'm very interested. Obviously, Bateau has has really controlled uh, the 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 results in in Wapassal so far in terms, particularly in terms of silverware. Um, I I do think Hayward have a really really strong roster. Uh, I talked to a player to actually uh, just about what they're thinking about this season, and uh, I think there's a lot of confidence in that group, and I think it's deserved confidence because the, again they've have they have a hell of a roster for this level of the game. That being said, I do think if there's going to be you know a team that maybe breaks the expectation you know maybe we see baron step up they, they've always had good moments in previous seasons certainly think there's a possibility for for them or or perhaps uh union or claire if, if depending on how they they build up their their squad um maybe a logos i i certainly think there's a chance for one of those teams to at least you know finish second but i if i had to uh to, to place bets i would be going with hayward right now they just have such a strong team they've had a great preseason against all sorts of levels of opposition they have guys on their team that literally a couple of years ago were in the npsl in the upsl uh i i think that they are i don't even know for for some to be perfectly honest my prediction is for some of the teams in this league i don't think hayward are going to be the team to beat 
I think they're going to be the team to not get beaten by. I think mm-hmm. that it's going to be a matter of fighting for a point against Hayward. Yeah. Um, they they just have such a strong group. That being said, Bateau have the history with them and 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 just the strength of organization. And sometimes that's what makes the difference. So, again, anything could happen. But, yeah, I think my uh, I think my bets are going – not my real bets. I don't have, I'm not making real mm-hmm. bets. But my, my uh, theoretical bets are, are going with Hayward on this one. My feelings on Wapassel are the same as my feelings that I gave on the NPSL North. Now I'm going to give the same quote that I gave last week when talking about Minneapolis City. You know where I'm going with this, Dom. The old Ric Flair. To be the man, woo! You got to beat the man. And Bateau has won this league two years in a row. Um, They did not get the quote-unquote supporter shield of Wapassel. I don't even know if they have a regular season trophy or, or acknowledgement. Hayward did win the regular season. They did finish the regular season at the top of the table. When it came down to it in the playoffs, it was Bateau who was able to get it done again. And they are just a team that seems to find a way. This is a team that was picked to finish third last year, Dom. And they end up winning the whole thing again. And they made some changes to their, their, coaching, stru- their coaching staff structure. And they brought some guys in. They have some really, really clutch returners. Um, and not to mention last year, <clears throat> excuse me, they had one of the probably biggest losses in the entire league to their club from 2019 um, when uh, they lost a player actually to Med City in the MPSL. So this is a team that's just been able to reload. They've been able to find ways to get it done and get results and find themselves in that position and find themselves holding the trophy at the end of the year. I I'm with you that Hayward has built a hell of a roster and maybe on paper, they are the team to beat. I do not deny. I I do not argue that at all, but at the end of the day, until Bateau gets knocked off that pedestal, they are still at the top for me. Yeah, no, so absolutely. We'll see. I think I think if nothing else, there's a really uh, fun, exciting duopoly or whatever that uh, has uh, has formed in this league between those two sides. And by all means, there's other competitors, but the the rivalry that's developed between Hayward and Bateau, the the talent level that's obviously been shown by the both of them, the uh, the the Civil War battles that that Bateau has has been the winners of, uh, really, I, I a really good engine to fuel the the continued growth of the WPASL. So, uh, yeah, uh, really looking forward to seeing how twenty twenty two goes. I think uh, this league in general does a lot of good for for soccer in Western Wisconsin, uh, and and I look forward to you know seeing how they can continue to do that this year. Not to mention the greatest trophy in soccer, the Golden Connect Four. Yes, that is we true. Cannot, we cannot talk about Wapassel ever without mentioning the Golden Connect Four. <laughs> um, if you do not know what we're talking about, if you're new to the 10,000 Pitches podcast and you're new to the Western, Northwestern Wisconsin lower league soccer scene, let me tell you. Um, during COVID, um, there were sort of, you know, there were like these Twitter games that people would play. Well, one of those games was like Twitter Connect Four, basically. And uh, Bateau and Hayward had a little little virtual rivalry in, goal, in, in Twitter Connect Four. Well, that translated when they were finally able to get back on the pitch. That translated to the pitch. 
and their games are now the Connect Four Derby. And so anytime Hayward and Bateau plays, it's the Connect Four Derby. They play for an actual Golden <laughs> Connect Four trophy. Amazing. Amazing stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's really awesome. It's really awesome. Yep. Hayward is in possession of the Golden Connect Four because even though Bateau beat them, it was in the postseason, the championship game. They got their own, you know, primary cup trophy for that one. But Hayward technically still is in possession of the Connect Four Derby trophy. So we'll see if Bateau can wrangle that back this year. But um, I think it's going to be an exciting year. Um, you mentioned Barron. Um, uh, Union Eau Claire, very interested to see um, what they look like this year. Also very interested to see what, you know, Sparta and Poskin Jets can bring to the table. Um, Poskin was actually able at the end of the year last year to put together some results, actually get a few wins. They finished very strong in their first season. So we'll see what kind of uh, momentum they can carry in, and we'll see if Spartan can uh, can kind of keep up with them too as those two clubs enter their second seasons. But should be interesting either way. All right, transitioning now to the UPSL. And uh, Vlora is just running roughshod over this league right now. Three matches in a week, three wins, nine points at the top of the table. However, Austin Villa, newcomers in the league, are hanging right there with them. They each have two, uh, they have two wins. Dakota Young Stars have two wins. Um, Granite City also have six points as well, but they have played three matches and actually lost. Um, Minneapolis City, while a lot of these teams have only played three at the time of recording here, Minneapolis City has only played one match. Um, so um, they're still hanging back there. They did get a win in their opening match. So they're still sitting there kind of back with three points, but only that one match play. Um, and then newcomers Ebisua get that first UPSL point <clears throat> with a 1-1 draw in Rochester, or excuse me, at home against Rochester. And then uh, Maple Brook and Brooklyn Knights are uh, over in their first two matches as well. So um, exciting things happening. You have a lot of teams who have played a lot of different numbers of games and things like that. So we'll see what happens. Um, FC Minneapolis and Turbo FC were supposed to play Wednesday evening. That obviously got postponed due to the weather, similar to the Minnesota United match. Um, so that will be played this weekend. Rochester and Maple Brook will be played. And then F FC Minneapolis is going to actually kind of go back to back where they're also going to play Abasua over the weekend as well. And then we round things out with Granite City and Brooklyn Knights and Dakota Young Stars and Austin Villa. Um, this UPSL table, man, it's it's kind of crazy to try to keep track of things right now because, A, it's so early, and, B, as we mentioned, teams are playing different numbers of matches right now. But um, very, very exciting. Um, and I think it's, it's telling to see Vlora – really sort of picking back up that top spot. Talking about the 2019 division champions. Um, 2021 took a big step back. Um, but 2022, they look poised to sort of reinsert themselves as the uh, as the ones to beat in that conference. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, there's a couple storylines that emerge out of these first couple matches. And as you noted, you know, many teams have played many different numbers of matches at this point. So there is a an asterisk to, to all these statements, but Valora have very much made themselves the team to watch out for. They've made themselves almost impossible to score against, and in the meantime, they're scoring a fair few goals against everyone else. Uh, winning three games in about a week is is also just impressive 
in any context. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're top of the table and they're top of the table for a reason. I expect them to stay up near there for for the foreseeable future. Uh, they, they really haven't shown much of any weakness. Uh, it will be interesting to see, you know, what they look like when they play uh, a, a Minneapolis City or, or perhaps the Dakota Young Stars or Austin Villa. Some of these other teams that have had good runs of form. That being said, uh, I do think Valora are starting to show themselves to be favorites for for uh, some honors this season. Uh, but also a lot of great stuff coming from from old corners. You know, Austin Villa has been sort of the woe shock story of the season so far. Two big wins at home. Uh, you know, in their debut season, uh, they uh, this weekend they you know go on the uh, road for the first time. That'll be a big test to see the overall capabilities of the squad. A squad, by the way, that had won those first two games not at full strength. They still have a lot of their college players not available yet. Um, they've mostly been winning off of their local guys. So uh, very interested to see how that project continues to go. It's a very interesting team. Uh, ben, you know, even Ebasua get, get that first point. They're, they're competing with the rest of them. Uh, and Dakota Youngstar is definitely looking like uh, an interesting team to follow this year. Uh, you know, that, that match with Austin Villa and, and the Young Stars may well be a big decider in which one of them will kind of be a title contender. Um, simply because, you know, either of them losing their first match of the season will, will damage momentum. But, uh, yeah, and then, of course, like you said, the, the, the lurking shadow of all of this is City have only played one game, right? So, you know, they only have three points, but for all we know, in a couple of weeks, they'll be, you know, four or five wins in undefeated and, and who knows. So um, the likes of Valora that are mounting these title challenges will obviously have to keep an eye on that, prepare for what City looked like once they've played actually several matches. But uh, yeah, again, to your point, UPSL Midwest West looks really exciting this year, really active, a lot of teams from all over the place, uh, playing some pretty competitive matches against one another. Still quite a few teams that have a shot at the title, I think. You know, it doesn't look too one-sided yet, which mm-hmm. is always good. And uh, and even for the teams that don't have points yet, a lot of those are teams that have only played one game, maybe two games. Yeah. Still plenty of room for them to change that. Uh, still a lot of games to be played. So, you know, who knows? Maybe the, you know, a, a, a Brooklyn Knights and FC Minneapolis, some of the teams that don't quite have the points on the table they would have liked so far. Who knows what it looks like, you know, a couple of weeks later, they could very well be be challenging for those t- top couple spots if, if, if they find some form. So, yeah, just just really good stuff, really good matches. Certainly suggest anyone that lives near a team to check one out because uh, I it's pretty much been exciting match. Exciting yeah. matches every match. I, I don't recall a boring scoreline from the whole bunch of it. Um, so, yeah, great stuff. Great stuff having the UPSL right now. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 Pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. 
But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to PenceHomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at Nate at PenceHomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z Homes.com. Also, make sure you let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's PenceHomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z, Homes.com. Yeah, and I think kind of to round that out, still a lot we don't know about the USL Midwest West. That will be cleared up over the next few weeks here. Um, Should note, though, one thing we do know is that Valora, now not necessarily the UPSL version of Valora, Valora, officially it's the MASL version of Valora. Um, They'll be competing in the quarterfinals of the USASA Region 2 Amateur Cup this Sunday. That will be at Burnsville High School. Uh, 3 p.m., I believe, is the kickoff time. Or no, 12 p.m., 12 p.m. kickoff time. Sorry. High noon kickoff time, and they'll be hosting Bavarians. Now, might sound familiar. Bavarians have uh, won the national championship, I believe, eight times. Um, they're one of the most, most storied lower league clubs in the entire country. But the last time they came to the Twin Cities in the Amateur Cup, uh, it was FC Minneapolis who took it to them. And I believe it was a 3-0 win for the City Lions uh, to move on in the Amateur Cup and really upset Bavarians. I say that because I don't think that Valora is going to be flying under the radar against Bavarians uh, this year. Now, it's officially not the UPSL version of Bavarians, though. So you have the MASL version of Valora, officially the Midwest Premier League version of Bavarians. Now, again, they can adjust rosters and things like that, right? So I think you're looking at mostly full-strength clubs uh either way but um that will be interesting that will be intriguing so if you're looking for some high stakes soccer some cup soccer uh 12 p.m burnsville high school on sunday you can watch that one still get home in time to watch the loons at three so um or maybe it's four um anyways either way uh you still get home in time to watch the loons so um yeah i would definitely i would highly recommend checking that out it's going to be a good one and a good opportunity for Valora to kind of do what FC Minneapolis did last year and, and get that upset. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like you said, this is a, this is a tournament that Bavarians have a lot of history in. If I recall correctly, the last time they were in the open cup, which they played forward Madison, I believe they qualified for the open cup through yep. the amateur cup. So, you know, they, they have a long history, not just long mm-hmm. history, but recent history of, of success in this tournament. But all the more reason for Valora want, to want to uh, step up and and find a result and, and, and make a little more history in their own run. So, and like you said, a little bit of history as well in terms of Bavarians coming to Minnesota for this tournament and they're not working out for them. So a lot of angles on this one. And yeah, I definitely would encourage anybody that's able to, to go out to Burnsville and uh, check this one out. It's going to be a really good time. I'm sure a very entertaining game and uh, a lot at stake for both sides. So everything that you would like out of, out of amateur soccer. Moving on to the NPSL North and what an opening weekend it was for the Northerners. Uh, We'll kick things off with the marquee matchup Duluth going to St. Louis park to take on joy athletic. And it was a statement for the blue greens. Blake Perry scores a brace. And Duluth comes away 6-0. 
victors over the goats. I think after last season's success, people were kind of high on what Joy Athletic would bring to the table. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily indicative to the rest of their season, um, but either way, on the Duluth side, this is, I mean, this is how you start a season right here. And Dom, you made the prediction they were going to win the uh, conference championship. Well, they are doing everything they can to make you a smart man because, <laughs> wow, what a scoreline we're looking at here. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's quite a match. There's a really, a, there's a lot to take away. And of course, it's one, it's the first match of the season. So you, you have to be careful not to think too, too deep uh, into, into what we saw in this game. But, you know, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and 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 step forward and say that I, I think already this week or this opening weekend uh, definitely some adjustments made into what I uh, predict is going to happen uh, from the article I put out um, on multiple fronts actually. But uh, you know I, I think Joy a lot of their defense was is new players this year, um, or at least players that were not consistently starting, partly because they've they've lost a couple guys to other teams. Um, and I think that the, the back half that they started in this game was not ready for what was coming at them. Uh, I think Duluth absolutely hit the ground running, uh, in this game. I don't know another way to put it, uh, up to zero, uh, within 20 minutes, uh, up six, zero within 70 minutes. And they actually, uh, subbed out the goalkeeper for the last 20 or so minutes. So a lot, a lot of rotation in this game. Obviously, the NPSL allows more substitutions, substitutions than usual. Uh, and and to be perfectly frank, you know, I don't even think Joy got the opportunity to play the way they like to play yeah. with the ball. Right. And I, I, they, they never really threatened Duluth that much. Uh, I, I, you know, I think if they had had the ball. That would have been different, and I think against other teams in the MPSL North, it will be different. But uh, Duluth just seemed really ready, and they just completely contained them. Uh, yeah, huge for a huge start to uh, the MPSL career of of Blake Perry, who's since been named uh, Player of the Week, I think, by by Duluth, um, and actually won some um, awards for his. Uh, UMAC uh, duties at UWS this last week um, with uh, two goals. And actually I had not been fully aware of this simply from the nature of the broadcast, what information was provided to me, actually three assists. Wow. Uh, so, so five goal, he played pretty much the whole game. Um, so mm -hmm. uh, five goal involvements in his first ever MPSL match. Pretty good. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how else to put that really. Um, yeah, so you know, yeah, really impressive. Uh, and this, by the way, from a guy that I don't think everyone was expecting necessarily to be starting every game. Um, he certainly forced uh, Coach Sean Morgan to uh, think about that, <laughs> um, yeah, even as so. more guys come in, uh, you know, from other colleges and so on. So, yeah, hell of a start for Duluth, obviously. I think I even mentioned this in my, my recap from for that this weekend, but and we'll talk about Minneapolis City as well too. Both of them got really good road wins this last weekend. But mm -hmm. I think we're gonna learn way more about them when they play each other this weekend. Um I, yeah. I do think they were both playing teams that on paper you would think they would beat. 
and and so that that is worth noting but yeah again blue dreams probably couldn't have started any better than they did um the 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 consistency in the local players that that i thought would help they they helped <laughs> they helped for two goals and three assists and a clean sheet so uh yeah wow and you know that Duluth very much remembers the last time they hosted Minneapolis City in in Duluth. 6-1 was the scoreline in favor of the Crows. So um, Duluth definitely going to try to flip that script. Um, great opportunity to do so. You're coming off. I mean, you can't have any more momentum than, than you have coming off that first win. But um, let's transition and talk about Minneapolis City. So they got a 2-0 win over the uh, newly reformed Minnesota Twin Stars. Um, I thought in their first match back, Twin Stars actually looked, did pretty well for themselves against uh, a Crows team that, you know, I don't think it's any secret that were heavily favored coming into this match, right? Um, and one of the goal scorers, Loish Masanvi, that name might sound familiar. He was also the goal scorer in, uh, in their U.S. Open Cup match uh, against Des Moines. He also scored in the Minneapolis city futures UPSL opener as well. Um, he had, though did not get the opportunity to make it four for four um, uh, against Des Moines in USL league two on Sunday. Uh, I talked to John Bisworth. I was just joking. I was like, Hey, is he gonna, is he gonna try to uh, run the table here and, and bring it full circle. And John's like, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna put him out there. He's, he's already got too many minutes this week, but um It'll be interesting to see if and when he gets that opportunity, but this is a kid who is really showing out for Minneapolis city right now. Um, I believe 18 years old. Um, and he is, um, you know, he's when, when you talk about the futures program and the kind of impact that Minneapolis city was hoping the futures program would have on some of their more senior clubs. I mean, Lois Bazanvi is, is encapsulates that. Like, like he is a, he is a carbon copy of what you would want to see from that. So it's really good to see again, that, that program continue to bear more fruit for, uh, for Minneapolis city as a whole. Yeah. And, and, you know, to the credit of what they're trying to do, um, we saw this weekend, at least to a certain extent, the experiment they're trying to, to pull off more or less work, mm-hmm. at least this weekend, right. You get, two goals in two different leads out of one guy. Yeah. Uh, that, that is, you know, uh, essentially what you need to have happen for, for this all to work. And by the way, I think both games, he actually was a substitute, oddly enough. But, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, very impressive from him to be able to do that. Uh, and th- this provides probably the, the, the evidence you would, I don't know, need, but want, to feel like, all right, we're on to something here. So let's keep up with this. This this at least got us this far. He got six points out of nine possible from three games. Also, by the way, he got a great goal in the Open Cup. You know, you, you, that that's that's a great way to start. My my question would be whether or not you know that's possible week six to have guys playing two and a half games a week. Uh, that that to me it would be the worry but at the very least i mean yeah start somewhere so uh, mm-hmm. they, they got it this week the twins on the, the silver line for the twin stars obviously losing uh, their home opener is you know this uh squad was missing some guys that were expected to have a big impact on the team 
um, uh, Siddique uh, uh, Chapata, uh, Mr. Soccer Minnesota, uh, was was not there. Uh, Ivan Adika, experienced NPSL player from Duluth and Twin Stars in the past, wasn't there. There's a couple of guys that probably will have an impact on the team that that weren't available. So, you know, once the once you got more people available, perhaps you see an uptick in form and, and you know a lot of season for them to improve on. But certainly for City, you get the return from your your reorganization that they're trying to do with this sort of one pool three league thing. Uh, you gotta be happy with that uh, going into a, a big week where you gotta travel up to Duluth. Yeah, uh, transitioning now to a scoreline that was somewhat surprising. Uh, Med City barely escaping two one victors over Aris at home. That took a late goal for the home side to eke out that win over an Aris club that had, that have sort of been bottom dwellers of the NPSL North over the last few years. Not sure if this is an indicator of of Med City maybe you know not being that top of the table presence that they normally be this year, or maybe it's an indicator that Aris. Um, maybe we'll, you know, we'll see an uptick in form and we'll, we'll find themselves a little bit higher in the table, but either way, um, that was a little surprising, but a, a highly competitive match down in Rochester over the weekend. Yeah, I, it was a one, one at halftime. I, I believe the med city winner was, was somewhere between the 60 to 70th minute. It was a, a tight match. It was a, a close match, mm-hmm. which is, you know, what you like to say. And by the way, competitive in the sense that med city scored first, then Eris actually equalized. And yep. then Med City had to find that winner. So a back and forth, you know, affair, which is what you would want to have happen in, in the MPSL North. You don't want there to be a team that, you know, is automatically losing. You want it to be competitive. So in that sense, very encouraging. Like you said, though, uh, until they play another, you know, one, two, three games, not clear whether or not this is rust on Med City's case or a great performance from Eris. Um, it was a competitive match, but again, it's hard to know behind the scenes quite what this means for the long-term potential for both teams. Uh, but, you know, Med City get the win at the end of the day, so they can at least put that behind them. Eris should be encouraged. They play Twin Stars next. Um, they should be encouraged that this means there's some potential for, you know, some results on the road, uh, which has usually been a, a struggle for them. Um Twin Stars obviously not starting great either, so you know, some, something for them to 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 chase, which is which is great. So, yeah, a, a surprising result. I was expecting a heavier win, uh, but actually a very encouraging result in the sense that it it shows that I think we're in for a you know very comp- competitive matches. And something to note too that this is you know early in the season. It's tough to really to really gauge where these teams are because you don't have your full squad in yet. Guys coming in from college. Um, you know, these players likely haven't haven't spent a lot of time on the pitch together um, at this point. So you're trying to find continuity. But to that point, if you're heiress and you are finding something that works for you and you're finding some quality, this is the time to strike. Like this is right. the time to really try to gather some points while you can, while some of those other teams that might finish closer to the top of the table are, uh, you know, not at full strength and trying to get those guys in. And by midseason, we'll kind of be a, uh, a full strength squad, but either way, yeah, it could be, could be very positive for, for Ayers moving forward and something they can build off of um, the final match of the weekend to note, uh, was a one, one draw in the first edition of the Dakota Derby this year, Sioux Falls um, hosting Dakota fusion and um, kind of similar to what we just talked about is two teams. that really looked like they were still, still filling themselves out and, and, and trying to 
get acquainted with with themselves. Um, we talked about kind of this um, very, very high quality roster that Dakota Fusion have put together this year. So um, I don't necessarily think this result is indicative of them falling short of any expectations. Um, but at home, I, I think this is kind of a wash for both sides. What say you, Dom? Yeah, you know, it's uh, – yeah, at the end of the day, this is a game both teams would have really liked to win. It's a point that's that in the long term will probably be useful. I think Sioux Falls will probably be more bummed uh, for, for losing at home. I think for the Fusion, you know, you got a new head coach who's previously been your assistant coach. You've got a squad that's almost all guys who've never played in this conference before. Uh, you probably have to be – you know, pretty happy to, to start off with a point on the road. Um, we, we see teams all the time really struggle when they bring a lot of new guys in, let alone basically a whole new roster. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think they, they should be happy with the result. I, I do think that it gets painted a little bit by how the next couple of games go. You know, they travel to Joy next. Um, based on how week one went, that could potentially be a very interesting game. Uh, so, you know, if the fusion win that one, then they should be extremely happy with, with, with overall how their season's starting. Uh, of course, if they lose, then, then perhaps not, but yeah, a lot to be determined, but from, from both sides of this one. Okay. Then one final lower leagues results to note from the weekend. It was Minneapolis city falling to, uh, the defending USL league two champs, Des Moines menace two nil in their USL two home opener on Sunday on mother's day. Um, you know, this is one of those results where you thought it would, it would be sort of a measuring stick game for Minneapolis city. Um, they've now fallen twice to Des Moines, um, early in the season here. Um, maybe, maybe it could be something that, that isn't necessarily good for the confidence moving forward. Uh, but at the same time, I think we agreed coming into this season that, you know, Minneapolis city weren't necessarily penciled in as, as comps winners. And this is probably the toughest conference in USL league two to play in. Um, so I think we're going to have to see city um, see how they fare against the Peorias against the, you know, some of the other teams that they will play um, in this conference moving forward to really get a gauge in terms of where they are, because you're facing the absolute cream of the crop in Des Moines and you've played two competitive matches against that cream of the crop, but they're the Des Moines menace. They are a cut above the rest. I think they showed that in that match over city. They really handled that match. Um, I think from, from start to finish from the opening whistle to the final whistle um, city had some moments. Um, I think they themselves did well in terms of limiting what Des Moines was able to do from an attacking standpoint. But I think this menace team particularly showed that you can only hold them down so long. You only hope to contain them. You can't really stop them and their goal scoring. Um, and so a two nil scoreline, while I think Minneapolis city will be disappointed coming off of that. Obviously you want that home win. Um, I think that to me, it more proves that, you know, I think quality wise city may be pretty close to the menace. They're, they're not getting blown out in any of these matches They're sort of right there at the end. But at the end of the day, it is, it is the cream of the crop that you're going up against, and they showed it. They showed to be just that on Sunday. Yeah, it's you know, it's always tough to start the season with a loss, especially when it's your first season in a a new league. But like you said, I I I think there are still plenty of positives. You know, look, the, this loss does mean it's going to be 
pretty hard for City to put themselves in a position where they're going to usurp Des Moines this year. Um, I think a lot of people were aware that might happen, that 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 might be something that, or rather that be, might be something that isn't going to happen. Um, and so there's still plenty of room for, for them to find and carve themselves uh, a really competitive spot in, in the US and USL League two in their conference. You know, the rest of their conference is not the Des Moines Menace. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, teams that are not the national champions. So, you know, there, there's still plenty of room for them to make an impressive run, uh, get players moved around between these three leagues and, and, and figure out a really good way of, of making that system work. Uh, you know, I, I think there's still a lot of positives down the road. But yeah, look, Des Moines, Des Moines. Uh, it's going to be really hard year one to to to, to jump them. And, and, and kind of like my uh, prediction with just the whole roster shift that Minneapolis City is, is trying to do what was my, my whole thought on all that has always just been that I think year five is going to be amazing and year one is going to be tough. Yeah. Um, I think that the USL League 2 is going to be like that. I think year five of that is probably going to be really crazy and awesome for them. But year one is probably going to be a little tough. You're just not used to playing these teams, especially the Des Moines Menace. And uh, there's going to be moments like this. I think there's going to be plenty of moments where they win games this season too, though. So, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll stick to it. Uh, I am I, I, sh- sure that they will not be giving up because of one loss. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I predict they'll still have a very eventful season in USL League 2. I agree, and I think this is the perfect time that for them to make that jump into League 2. As you mentioned, this might not necessarily be, quote-unquote, their year. But, I mean, you have the Futures program that has proven to be successful that will continue to, to just pump out great talent. You have uh, a D1 program in St. Thomas right across the street that in five years, in even three years, will be completely full of legitimate Division One talent that will be looking for a quality place to play in the summer. And, oh, right across the street, you have a USL League 2 club in Minneapolis City. So um, I think they are putting themselves in a great position to really, really be um, one of those one of those national powers in USL League 2. But as you mentioned, it's going to be a process getting to that point. That doesn't mean they can't be competitive in 2022, though, and I fully expect them to be that. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I I think there'll be plenty of matches that go very well for them this year. But you know, yeah, it's a it's a growth process. It's a it's always going to be a growth process making that kind of jump. Uh, I I think the encouraging thing for for city fans uh, is that the the group that they're putting their faith in is a group that I think is very capable of navigating that jump. So uh, again, it might not all happen this year, but I think they'll figure it out. One final note here before we get going, Minnesota Aurora hosted their first practice at TCO Stadium um, in Egan um, on Monday the 9th, this past Monday. Um, A ton of media there, a ton of interest in the club. It was a very open practice. Unfortunately, Soda Soccer couldn't be there because we all have day jobs, but uh, this is, you know, we're not, unfortunately, this is nobody's full-time gig working at SodaSoccer.com. Maybe one day, Dom, we'll get there. Uh, but uh, it's still a really, really cool, um, just continued sort of unveiling of what this club is going to look like. Not only from a roster standpoint, we actually got to see sort of those pieces and how they'll fit together on the pitch as well. Um, and just inching closer and closer, I think 13 days away at the time of uh, that, that you're going to hear this episode. 
um, 13 days until that uh, that opener uh, on the 20 or no two weeks. No, 13 days. Sorry, 13 days from when you hear the episode. It's the 26th. I'm getting my dates all mixed up. Don't let me confuse you anymore. Thursday the 26th is their first match. So 13 days if you're listening on Friday. Um, but anyways, uh, math is hard for me, Dom. Um, it, it just just continuing to build the excitement, build the hype. That is something that this club has done an excellent job of, is building the excitement. And I think they've taken every step exactly right in doing so leading up to the season actually starting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've even saying it since day one that the the crew behind this team, uh, they are doing the, 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 the back office or the front up. I don't know what I'm saying. The front office work like a, like a professional team. I mean, they they they've got the gears running so well. Uh, I'm really interested to see what the the actual game day experience ends up being like, what the the crowd and the energy and the, and of course the play as well all ends up being like. But uh, they've done a really great job of giving us reasons to be excited for that in ways that we might not always be excited for it, um, you know, at the amateur level. So. Uh, really interested to see what, what the game day experience ends up looking like because everything else so far has been fantastic. Obviously, the merch we talked about before, and now we see the players really starting to interact, getting those practices in. Uh, yeah, and, and and like you said, really great, by the way, to see this level of attention uh, from outside the club being put into uh, women's soccer in general, but 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 also, you know, women's soccer that is not professional, which obviously would normally come with less attention. So, uh yeah, really great to see the support, and uh, hopefully we, we get some really cool match days out of it. I was thinking about this the other day, Dom, when I saw, you know, the hype around the open practice and stuff. I was, I was It dawned on me, like, moving forward for new clubs that are starting up, trying to come up, Aurora's the blueprint. Yeah. Like, the absolute, like, every new club who wants to start at a at a certain level or above will look at Minnesota Aurora as the blueprint of of hey how do we do this and how do we do this right i mean it's it's been very impressive to watch them build this thing over the last what's it been 8 months since they uh you know were announced uh since they sort of unveiled themselves as a club um, and so I'm very interested to see how that translates to a product on the field as well. But I mean, if, if, if nothing else, like this has really been the standard of how to launch a soccer club. Like it's, it, there, there will be, there will be college classes that, that talk about Minnesota Aurora in terms of like sports marketing or whatever it is. Like they will look at Minnesota Aurora as like, Here's how you do this and do this right. Yeah. I mean, to be getting the amount of attention that they get by, I mean, I know the listeners already know this, but to get the kind of attention they're getting from media in the market they're in is largely unheard of for this level. You know, mm-hmm. teams like, I can say from experience, teams like Duluth FC get a, a certain amount of attention from local media because the market here doesn't have professional sports. The, the main sports here are college, right? So it is an accessible market 
media market for a team like Duluth FC to get access into and get coverage from. But, you know, most of the NPSL, UPSL, et cetera, teams in the Twin Cities, I say most, I mean all, basically get none of that because they're in a market with all the professional teams in the entire state, literally in the same city or the city next door. Um, so as input, you know, even even teams that do a very good job with, with branding and marketing and culture building and stuff like Minneapolis City, it's just it's so hard to get that kind of uh, exposure when you're literally dealing with a professional team in every sport imaginable, uh, right next to you. So the fact that Minnesota Aurora, who haven't even played a game yet, are 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 getting that from local media, from like proper news stations and everything. Um, is really cool and wild to see. Uh, not what I would have expected, even from how great their branding and their merch was. That's pretty unheard of in, in the Twin Cities Metro for a team at that level. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, just to your point, the, the, the moves they've made to build this machine, this, this brand, this media strategy, um, yeah, people should be studying it. Because it's it's proven to be doing things at the amateur level that truly never happen ever at that scale. So, I mean, huge kudos to them for pulling it off. Uh, and hopefully, like you said, hopefully it kind of forces everyone else to open their eyes a little bit and realize, hey, we need to do that. We need to find a way to do that for our city or our town or our you know, community. Uh, and if more people do that, in the men's game and, and in the women's game, uh, you know, we're going to see community soccer probably get a lot more exposure uh, that it needs. They're going to have more people in the stands than some NWSL teams, Dom. Yeah. That's wild to think yeah. about. But again, it's a testament to, I think, the demand that this area has for uh, another women's sports team um, to sort of break through, um, but also the ability as we mentioned, that front office, that marketing staff, everybody behind the scenes that have really come together to put together um, a really cool brand and a really cool product that people want to follow and they want to cover. And it's it's really great. We'll be doing that. Sodasoccer.com will be of a we'll be on the Aurora Beat all summer long covering all the matches. So make sure you subscribe to what we're doing and uh and keep an eye out once that uh season gets started here. Uh 13 days from today. All right. That'll do it for this week's edition of 10,000 Pitches. I appreciate all the help, all the support. If you want to support what we do, like actually support, support what we do um, with some uh, financial support, if you will, uh, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash soda soccer. You can either commit five or $10 a month, depending on uh, you know how much you want to get out of it. And then uh, you can also just check out the website, sodasoccer.com. Ton of great Minnesota soccer coverage. None of the stuff on the website is going to be paywalled. Um, it's all free, but if you'd like to subscribe and help us out and support, um, patreon.com slash soda soccer. All right. He's Dominic Jose Bazonio. I'm Jeremy Rushing. Thank you so much again for tuning in and we will catch you next week for another edition of 10K. Have a great weekend. everybody.